Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is Central Texas Life with Ann Harder. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Central Texas Life. Ann Harder here with you. And I want you to meet a visit, really, a visitor to Waco. A visitor, sort of in view of a call, as yeah. they say. His name is Wesley Schultz. Likes to go by Wes. But uh, he is one of the four finalists for conductor music director for the Waco Symphony Orchestra. So you are here in Waco and I love talking to folks who are kind of seeing this part of Central Texas with fresh eyes. But you got two graduate degrees in Austin, so I did. I did. Yes. You're you're not a newcomer to Texas. No, I I'm familiar with Central Texas and I'm so thrilled to be back. But Waco's sort of been, you tell me, you know, you go through, you're going through Waco to get to somewhere else. So what, how have you found our fair city? Look, and I'm so happy to be here today with you. So thank you for having me on your show. And, uh, you know, I've always just delighted in the expanse of Texas. You know, uh, people always talk about big blue skies, and, and those are true. I had some of those moments driving around. Uh, I like to see cities on foot. So one of the first things I did when I came to town, since I haven't been in Waco before, you know, I spent time um, down in Austin, but I hadn't ever been able to come visit until now. Uh, but I love exploring on foot. So I got got my running shoes out and ran up and down uh, the, the, the river walk and up towards Cameron Park. And, um, and for me, that's a great way to get a sense of the, the size and the scope of the city. You know, sometimes you look over your shoulder and see how far you went and you get a new perspective on the horizon. Um, so I've enjoyed doing that and driving around town, seeing all of uh, you know, the busyness of people who are enjoying uh, the, the, the restaurants and coffee bars. And it's a city that you can tell is, is growing. There's excitement building. And that's certainly the case at the symphony. And, and one of the things that just really pulled me in uh, when I saw this opportunity come up. Well, this is this is being taped prior to the concert yes. that you will be conducting. And uh, but it's not going to drop, as they say in podcast uh, parlance, uh, until after the concert. And I I'm excited about the concert. Yeah. Uh, you've had a few rehearsals under your belt yeah. with the Waco Symphony. I mean, how, how are things going so far? Oh, things are going great. We're about midway through that process. Uh -huh. We're two rehearsals in. We have two to go before our performance. Um, you know, and this is this is the joy I think for a lot of conductors. Yes, it's in the performance, but it's really in the work that's being done, and that's what's you know done out of sight, uh, you know, of the audience. Um, but that's where the majority of the time is spent with the musicians and I. And so it's a process of discovery. Of you know, I come in with, you know, an idea of uh, of a piece of music, and I, I do my best to understand what a composer uh, wants us to pull out of that music. And then, but when you add the musicians' voices, when you get there the first time, you know, it's my opportunity to listen to them and their ideas and fold those into, um, you know, what I've been thinking of. And so for two days now, we've been doing just that, meeting one another, listening to each other's ideas and, and coalescing them uh, around what we'll present at the concert on Saturday. You uh, had the opportunity to visit with uh, Maestro Stephen Hyde, who, uh, of course, for 34 years, yeah. uh, 
conductor and a music director. And of course, he he has left you with a well, all, all of us <laughs> with a, with a wonderful theme yeah. this year: the magic of music. And uh, what a great theme for Absolutely. for you because of the pieces that you're working on right now. A couple of very familiar ones, and maybe. Uh, little less familiar in that a little more modern work let's talk about the actual music that you because i know you're just immersed in it right now yeah, you're really yeah, focused yeah. on on these pieces yeah you know the that theme orchestral magic you know there's you, you can you can pull it in so many different ways so you know indeed we have the hocus pocus magic right which is in the piece that uh, maestro hyde chose which is the sorcerer's apprentice by paul Ducas. everybody um, thinks of mickey mouse absolutely you know, and, it, 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 you know it's funny that's, Fantasia, that's, yeah. that's right and it's just like you know if you know aaron copeland and 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 his piece hoedown you know uh -huh. you remember those beef commercials from the 1990s oh yeah oh yeah yeah so of that course, piece that's became, what's for dinner exactly yeah. and everyone now knows the copeland piece so yeah. of course yeah absolutely this is is one of those pieces that uh, Mickey Mouse made famous, so to speak. Um, and so, yeah, so, the, you know, that piece, of course, has the actual, you know, sort of sorcerer and his young apprentice and, and casting a spell in the brooms to do all this work. And uh, so that was the piece that was chosen. And then as I was musing, you know, what would go well with this, you know, or, or contrast it, uh, uh, this piece on the program. And I really wanted to explore a piece um, that is... I guess what we say is canonical. You know, there's these really famous works in which the Sorcerer's Apprentice is one, Beethoven's yeah. Fifth Symphony, right? Tchaikovsky's Fourth Symphony. Yeah. So I, I decided to do uh, Berlioz's Symphony Fantastique because mm -hmm. it's one of those well-known pieces. It's a great piece for the orchestra and I to get to know one another. Uh, and I also found out it's a piece that hasn't been played by the Waco Symphony in decades, actually. So it's, which is surprising. Yeah, it which is, is surprising. Yeah, I think it's the been Baylor a while Symphony. Since we've yeah, done it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's so in a way it'll it'll sound fresh. I hope to our audience's ears oh, yeah. that this piece that though it's familiar in the in the in the industry just hasn't been played in town in a while. And of course, but it's big. I it's mean, you big. have to have a lot of oh musicians. It's a full stage. Yeah, yeah. Berlioz. Yeah. You know, we've we've got four bassoons on stage. We've got two tuba players, uh, an army of strings, and <laughs> some, some backstage surprise instruments. If you know, if you don't know the piece, then, then I'll let those be a surprise at the performance. Um, so. Absolutely. We've got we've got an army of musicians on stage. And what that creates is this wide palette of colors, which is a magic into itself, right? Mm -hmm, Leading to sure. that theme. Uh, of course, there's a story that goes along with the with Symphony Fantastique. Um, but it's the way Berlioz uses the the instruments of the orchestra and the colors that he pulls out, which I think is so, so wonderful to the ear. So I think that'll, that in itself is, is a great contrast um, to Sorcerer's Apprentice. But we're going to open the program with a wonderful work by Anna Klein. Um, she is in demand as a composer all over the world. I, uh, there's, you know, you can track statistics on anything. And one thing I just read is that she's the eighth most performed living composer in the world. Really? Um, so she, she's really taken off uh, her, her composing career. And she wrote a piece called This Midnight Hour. And mm -hmm. it's inspired by two poems. So it's similar to both of the other pieces on the program in which there's a story that guides the music. And so... Uh, you know, knowing a little bit of that story, which is a bit of a wild story. Uh, the poems essentially are about, a, you know, a setting maybe at the at the midnight hour, of course, and uh, this woman running through the night wildly, the poem tells us, you know, and so there's a lot of vivid colors that she pulls out of the orchestra. Mm -hmm. And she too uses a large orchestra and you'll you'll hear these uh, 
magnificent ways that she uses the instruments. She has the you know the string players uh, playing with the wood of their bow, which Berlioz is one of the first really? composers ever to do. So there's sort of that similarity of that you can has see. what the sound is like. What it's like you, you know if you think of like uh, wood wood tapping on something, but they're tapping on the strings oh, of their okay. instruments. So there's with resonance, the wood part, yeah, yeah, but with the wood part. And, yeah. and Berlioz did that for the first time in Symphony Fantastique, mm. and that technique is being used hundreds of years later. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in Anna Klein's music. So there's kind of this circular yeah, nature right. relationship yeah. too. Yeah, yeah um, people think of you know modern music. They think of you know just kind of crazy sounding yeah. stuff. You know, is this from from what you were telling us at uh, the Symphony Outs at Symphony Council the other night that that she has the music going from one part of the stage to the other. I'm really fascinated with that. Yeah, she has a background in um, electroacoustic music, or you really? just think you know like electronic music or yeah. anything you know re- recorded. But just think of two speakers, and, and if you're facing those speakers, one to your left, one to your right, you know, and they can do this effect where the sound through the speakers pans from one side to the other. So kind of the left side of your head to the right side of your head. And she's kind of taken that idea in electronic music and put it in the orchestra. So you can both watch and, and hear this effect. She does several times where starting in the violins to, so to my left, if you're facing the stage uh, and, and, and there's, a motive that will unfold from the violins and then spread to, to the right of the stage and sometimes, and then back kind of like doing the wave. at oh, a baseball yeah, game. yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, and that's why it's, you know, it's always so, f- I, you have to go hear music live because, you know, you can hear this effect in a recording, but getting to see it as well kind of magnifies the effect. And so I think she is kind of going for this visual effect as well as this auditory effect. Yeah, well, this is, it's going to be a magical night. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, back to the Berlioz a little yeah. bit. I mean, he, he was sort of a mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, a, but, a, but a, in a good way. In, in a good way. I love to some great music, but I mean, yeah. he, he he sort of had, he had issues. Yeah, he had some as issues. As I would say in the South, he had some uh, issues. He had some issues. You know, he was very, he was very young when he wrote this piece. Oh, of was he really? Yeah, he's in his 20s. And Oh my goodness. You know, and, it, and what inspired it, right, was he attended a play you know and he saw this actress on stage he's like wow i yeah. i like her yeah <laughs> you know it, it started out innocent maybe got a little bit of obsessive and obsessive in the way that he took his interest in her and and he put it into the music this music is inspired because of this so it's sort of a very weird uh a love letter to this person that he is interested in and uh you know she did end up hearing uh the piece and then did end up getting married. Yeah. It didn't work out. Didn't work out. But, but um, I mean, it's just one of those fascinating I'm, tales I'm sure she history. was maybe flattered, sort of, kind yeah, of. In a creepy way. <laughs> in a creepy way. <laughs> you know, and that makes it sound all sort of, you know, odd yeah, or negative. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, uh, more important is that is his imagination. Yeah. You know, he, this piece and his music, his life is taught in every music textbook, every music appreciation course, mm-hmm. that the sounds that he pulled out of the orchestra, and this piece was written four years after Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. That's what stuns me. You mentioned that the other night because yeah. it seems so much more modern, shall Absolutely. we say, you, in, right. in style. You think it would, this to, is what is written decades later after you, you would, Yeah, you would think. That's you right. Would think. And it just Almost shows, in a romantic type, I mean, just, oh, just very different. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, in that yeah. romantic vein. And, and, and Beethoven was tilting toward it by adding voices yeah. with his ode to joy. Sure, yeah. And Berlioz just took that and sprinted. He just went crazy. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> so uh, as to speak. But he left this with such fascinating colors that wouldn't exist mm-hmm. without 
this personal story that he imbued in it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it is a wonderful one of my favorite pieces to listen to. Just yeah. you know, recorded version. I'm not sure I've heard it done live, so this will yeah. be a, a first for me as yeah. well. Well, it it is. Uh, it's amazing music that you've you've chosen, yeah. and uh, and that's part of this process with the the four finalists yeah. in that you have one prescribed piece, you have a theme, yeah. and then you you went off with it. Now you also yeah. um, have a, a friend of yours who yeah. is going to be taking part uh, right. from a narration standpoint. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So um, I with Sorcerer's Apprentice, you know, there is this story that goes along with it, and it was based on a, a ballad by by Goethe. Uh, you know, the really famous uh, writer. And so, um, and that's the story that is featured in Fantasia. We just turned the sorcerer into Mickey Mouse. Um, But, and so that, you know, you can listen to this piece of music absolutely by itself and you can hear the story unfold. You know, you can Mm -hmm. hear the the spells being cast, which is played by the trumpets. Uh, You can hear the work of the brooms, you know, uh, bringing the water, which is in the bassoons. Uh, And so you don't need to hear a story to understand the music. However, with a really great actor, I found it, it's just kind of fun to add in, you can call it narration, but he's not going to be, you know, standing there lecturing, you know, in, right. a, in a dull voice. Like John's a great animated character and, and he, he adds in the story, uh, as to, uh, he adds in the story as the orchestra is playing. And I think it just gives it a little bit of lift and, uh, and just a little, um, you know, more, just a little lightheartedness aspect i guess by adding mm-hmm. in the narration just a new way to present it so i thought that'd be kind of fun because this piece has been played by the waco symphony before and now we can do it again but just with a slight twist Hey y'all, I'm April. Hi, I'm Caroline. And we have a new podcast for you. What's it called, Caroline? Uh, Bloody Happy Hour. It's going to be your new favorite guilty pleasure. We're going to talk about some bloody stuff. Serial killers. True crime. Rape. <laughs> Rapists. Why not join us? We'll have a good time. You literally never know. I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> bloody Happy Hour. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, I'm Blair. And I'm Brittany. And we're the host of By the the Cover Cover Podcast. Podcast. (laughs) We cover everything from mysteries, thrillers, romance, chiclet, and even some smut. Don't forget the smut. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're so excited to get this thing going and share this with you guys. We've been talking about this for months and it's finally, finally happening. Yes. Special shout out to Rogue Media for helping us with this. For sure. For (laughs) sure. You can find us on Instagram at by the cover underscore podcast. You can also find us on Facebook and TikTok. So don't forget to give us a follow on those two also. We are so excited to dive into some of our favorite books and share those with you. We can't wait. Hope you love it. Um, what are we doing here, Rusty? What are we going to do? Uh, 
Yep, we're doing the King of the Hill rewatch podcast. King of the Hill rewatch podcast. Yeah, so we're going to go through one episode at a time. Uh, Come along for the ride with us. Come check it out. And and give me me a good, um, like, Dale Gribble quote to go out on. Wingo! Yeah, Wingo. (laughs) Wingo. Wingo. All right, well, join us us for uh, the uh, King of the Hill rewatch podcast. Maybe in the heart of Texas. That drinks his brew and he spits his shoe. Maybe in the heart of Texas. The TV players, but no one cares. Maybe in the heart of Texas. Well, I want to move back through your life. We'll sure. eventually get to the very beginning, but kind of go back um, from from now. Back, just in the last several weeks, you were in Austin mm-hmm. and conducting uh, young people's concerts, yeah. and you've been doing this for uh, many years now. Yeah. Let's let's talk about that whole aspect. I, of course, have a huge passion for children's symphonies. Absolutely. Here, uh, here in Waco. Yeah, you know, I think if you would ask most of the musicians, the Waco Symphony. You know, you know, what inspired you to do music or how did you get started? And most of them would probably have a story that dates back to when they were a kid or a mm-hmm. child even. And so um, I think that inspiration that happens when you when you reach out to young people can be so powerful. And it's it's not that we're looking to make every young person into a musician. That's that's I don't that's not the point. But if that happens, wonderful. How great. But, yeah. But it's but the bigger thing is showing children young people how music and art can be a part of their life their entire life whether that's simply through just listening to music or viewing visual art or reading poetry you know or going to the movies all these are art forms and and i absolutely believe in the power and the place of classical music in our lives and so yes i love doing these young people's concerts for third and fourth graders i've been fortunate to um, go down to austin many times over the years and we craft a program that's that's just for them. You know, we choose music that is for that age range. We talk about it in a way that we try to connect to their lives. Uh, This year's theme was uh, the idea of innovation and creativity in music. And Mm -hmm. so we kind of combed through past composers all the way up to, we had a living composer with us. Jessica Meyer came to the concert. She came out on stage, waved to the audience, you know, because sometimes you know, young people, especially, they don't get to see the creator of, of, yeah. of art. And so being able to see the person on stage that I wrote this, this wrote music, this. you know, is for you. And, and here's how, you know, things you can listen for and ways you can plug into it. It's really powerful. And, uh, and so I absolutely love doing these concerts for young people. It changed me uh, when I was sitting as a fourth grader in the audience uh, of the Omaha Symphony, where I grew up at Omaha, Nebraska taking in a nutcracker performance that helped inspire me to love music more and, and, and push me down the journey that I'm on today in this career. Well, you have, uh, you've said your parents uh, were mm-hmm. not really musically inclined, but your mom knew that that was an important part of yeah. your education. And so you and your siblings, you, you got to do an we instrument. <laughs> Let's right. talk a little bit about those yeah. early childhood years uh, in, in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my, my mother did play flute, and she won't say that she you know, was an all-star, but she played you know through high school, through college, and she, and she was a teacher. She retired a, a, a few years ago. Um, she taught preschool her entire life, so those, those youngest of, oh, of yeah. kids. And, uh, and she just 
wanted, you know, like all parents, they, they want their kids to, to experience things and to see if something sticks, whether that's art or music, um, and, or sports. And so, uh, my two siblings and I all got started on string instruments. So I started cello when I was three years old and, uh, wow, that's kind of little for a big old, (laughs) well, you had one of those little tiny cellos. That's right. They come in all sizes. Those little Suzuki cellos. That's right. The the old, they are a a, a tiny in size. And the funny thing with cello (laughs) is that when you're that young and that small, not only do you have a a small cello, but you also have to have an appropriate chair. So that's why you often see young cellists and their parents lugging the cello and the chair that they need to sit in. And then you graduate up to an adult chair by the time you get to be a teenager. Um, So, uh, (laughs) but yeah, so that's what got me started. And, and uh, my love for classical music started when I was, when I was young and uh, I'm so grateful to my parents that created that opportunity for me. Um, you did go to a ball state though, and uh, your, but your instrument was percussion. You shifted to percussion, didn't you? Yeah, I sort point? of. You know, I'm the middle child, so I have an older I, brother. I am too. So okay, I, I got, I got you. But there's that, there's that idea that like often, not always, often, you know, siblings emulate, emulate one another, right? Yeah. So my older brother, he played violin and he started and he was three, but when he got to fifth grade, he's like, you know what? I also want to join the band. And so he picked up the trumpet. Yeah. There's joined. not too many marching violins. <laughs> right. There's not too many violins. So he kept doing violin, but added in the trumpet. Mm-hmm. Well, I was a middle kid. And when I got to fifth grade, well, by golly, I'm going to join the, join the band too. So I picked up percussion mm-hmm. and continued to do uh, cello and percussion all the way until college. So, um, yeah. And then I got to college and I, you know, I went to Ball State in Muncie, Indiana. And, you know, the idea was I, I really wanted to be a high school band director. Um, but, and I love teaching and I, I finished a music ed degree, but about two thirds of my way through schooling, you know, uh, I'd gotten really involved in the performance aspect, just playing a lot. Uh, I had a wonderful experience doing study abroad in Vienna. I took mm. lessons with musicians there and I kind of came back from that experience uh, just being pulled back onto the orchestra side and also just wanting to work with, with, uh, with, with professional orchestras, just wanting to, to be a conductor. Yes, but not because I wanted to wield the stick, but I see the conductor, uh, as a galvanizing force, um, for music and art. It's a way in that position I can, like we talked about with the young people's concerts, I can help bring music to young people. I can create programs that pull in people from all across a community. You know, I, I get to help be the coach, so to speak, of, of, of the gathered musicians towards that aim of playing a piece a certain way. So there's a lot of those just sort of leadership and, and, and aspects of the conductors what really pulled me in. And, and that's where I, I sort of shifted focus. Yeah. So how, how did you choose the uh, University of Texas? How did that work? Yeah. You know, I auditioned at several schools. Uh-huh. I had several options to go to. Um, but, you know, it took visiting campus, coming to Texas, mm-hmm. coming to Austin, uh, viewing the school, learning about the city of Austin and what other opportunities might be there outside of um, the school, which that's how I developed the relationship with the Austin Symphony mm-hmm. and their music director, Peter Bay, who's one of my dear friends and mentors. Um, and, uh, 
after that visit, it was, it kind of was a no brainer. I walked away being like, yeah, I'm definitely going to come down. Yeah. Here. I'm going to Austin. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go to Austin. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Well, it, it's wonderful. You've, you've had an amazing career though. So far yeah. you, you got your graduate degrees, what, mm-hmm. 2011, something like yep. that. And mm-hmm. so uh, won some prizes and, and conducted a, a, a variety of places. Yeah. Your, your main gig right now is up in the uh, Pacific Northwest though, Absolutely. right? Tell yeah. me about that. Yeah. So I'm based in Seattle, Washington at the moment and about 20 miles south of uh, Seattle is a town, uh, Auburn, uh, Auburn, Washington. And so I conduct the Auburn Symphony. Uh, it's a marvelous regional orchestra of super talented musicians. Um, and we've been able to grow over the years and expand the type of offerings that we do. Uh, one of my big initiatives when I started was to start a concert for third and fourth graders. So much like what oh, was done down in Austin, we now get to do in Auburn. Oh, that's great. Uh, so yeah, this year we got all 1,200 fourth graders of our school district. Get out, um, really? In to see see a concert that was crafted just for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sometimes I'm really proud of that. And, and we're creating collaborations with other arts groups in the area. So with, uh, we've had dance troops doing everything from Appalachian Spring in a brand new setting uh, to a dance troupe doing uh, the music of fame, the great 1980s Ooh, fun, yeah. movie on one of our Pops concerts. Oh, my goodness. Um, we've had visual artists in collaborating with us. And then next year we're doing a big uh, choral collaboration with with one of the local choirs that I'm super excited about. Um, So yeah, it's a beautiful corner of the country. You've got mountains and then all around you and yeah, it rains a bit, but uh, you you learn to see through it. Well, and you've also spent some time on the other coast uh, in uh, North Carolina. Absolutely. Tell tell me about that. Yeah. Very fortunate to have uh, been the associate conductor of North Carolina Symphony. It's a full-time orchestra based out of Raleigh. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's interesting about that orchestra is it's one of the few that regularly travels. So about... 30% 30% of their concerts are done on the road. So we do things in Raleigh and then we get on a bus and we drive around the state bringing music to communities that don't otherwise have access. So That's pretty important. It is. And it's something that I, I just got to join in uh, for my tenure and be a part of that. But it's something I was so proud of um, and just so happy that this orchestra is dedicated to that cause of, of, of meeting people where they're at. Not always forcing people to come to us, but we're going to come to you. We're going to bring the music to your community uh, with these programs that we think will resonate um, with you. And so that was a really powerful experience uh, to have and that I just hope to take with me in all my future work. I guess you've seen, though, in your, your work with a variety of orchestras, you know, some of the challenges that these uh, orchestras face are yeah. the same. Mm-hmm. And one of the big ones is, you know, just getting getting folks to come come to the concerts, you know, yeah. getting the getting those. I, I don't know if there's just a sense of, oh, that's highbrow. That's not, you know, how do you make the whole thing more approachable to mm-hmm. folks that, mm-hmm. you know, of course, children's symphonies go a long way toward doing that. But yeah. You know, how, how do we kind of get that communicated to the adults? Yeah, that's a it's a great question. You know, and my my feeling about this, you know, uh, which, you know, I don't have all of the answers, but my, my feeling is that an orchestra is most successful. And I define successful as in people want to come and listen to what you're presenting uh, is most successful when you are an orchestra of your community and where everyone feels that there is a place for them uh 
in your concert hall. And sometimes maybe the concert hall isn't even the place where that person feels safe. Maybe it's out on the lawn for an outdoor concert. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's taking the orchestra or a chamber uh, group to a local coffee house or to the YMCA or the Boys and Girls Club uh, or to the Salvation Army. You know, being in orchestra for everyone can mean many different things. The type of repertory that we do, um, we've got all the classics and I love those and I am dedicated to them. But maybe there's also space, you know, where I, and I know Waco Symphony has presented Lyle Lovett with the with Oh, the, yeah, with the it orchestra. was hugely successful. Absolutely. And that's, that's, I yeah. think that's absolutely wonderful. Oh, yeah. You saw cowboy hats and belt buckles that normally you didn't see going that's to right. Waco Hall. That's right. It, it was wonderful. Yep. And, and he was just charming and Fun and Fun, right. thoroughly enjoyed working with the Absolutely. Waco Symphony, and I know Stephen Hyde felt the same way. Yeah, and that's that's just it. I think, and I think that's what Waco does well, and what I would look to expand is doing these concert presentations that appeals to everyone. Because it's yeah. it's okay with me if someone doesn't want to come to every concert that we do. That maybe they just want to pick the flavor that most resonates with yeah. their palate, and I'm totally fine with that. And I'm happy when people uh, f- see something what we're doing that they like, and they come check us out. Yeah, well, we have seen industry wide. You know, that's that's been the trend that folks buying a whole season of tickets because they just don't know if they're going to be able to go to what because people's lives are busy. And so they're, you know, they're picking and choosing which concerts to go to end up going to all of them. But yeah, that that's but you've got to have those. Those strong, you know, pay, that strong patron support, which I'm proud to say Waco Symphony really has a wonderful base of yeah. support, passionate folks about about the symphony. Absolutely. I've met wonderful people yeah. uh, throughout this week and, and more to come, I know. because um, people <laughs> We kept you busy. That's right. That's You know, but people, everyone has the same sense of, of they love the symphony, they love the role that it plays in their community, and they're also excited. They want to see what more can we do? What else can we do? Right. How how can we pull in those folks who aren't yet here? And I love that kind of thinking, that, that mentality. Uh, it, it's what I'm passionate about of, of bringing this brilliant music that sparks our imagination um you know that gives a a a place to our humanity um it's i just i just love that 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 feeling that i feel in town about about this beloved orchestra well it's been a delight to uh get to meet you and know you better and uh let you know this wonderful community a little bit better and uh certainly had a had a great time so far with with the musicians that will be bringing their orchestral magic on saturday evening and folks can go to wacosymphony.org i think that's right Or is it dot com? Anyway, Waco Symphony and get tickets yeah. there. But I like to end these little visits with a little questionnaire similar okay. to the one, the late great. I think you, you're already on to this. Are you possibly on that? Have I you done your homework? I, I heard something <laughs> that there's some questions that might be asked. <laughs> I might be asking them. Well, the, the late great James Lipton did this on Inside the Actor's Studio. And this is my take on his, on his questions. And the yeah. first one is, what is your favorite word? What is my favorite word? Oh man. Um <laughs> favorite word. You know, it, it this sounds a little funny, but it, it probably goes along the lines of yes, but it's almost more like a phrase. I like I love the phrase like, yeah, I'll try that. Because I like I like that attitude, yeah. you know, of now, there's so much richness to this life. There's so much to see and read and taste and take in. Um, and I love it when people open themselves up to that. And that probably just relates 
from what I do, you know, for like the program this weekend, I hope people will, if you've never heard of Anna Klein, great. I just hope you'll come be like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to really listen to this. I'm going to take it in and, and, you know, and on the other side of it, see what I think, you know? So I kind of like that, I, that idea, that word of yes, yes, I'm all, I'll, I'll, I'll try that. Yeah. You know? Kind of a willingness. Yeah. Willingness. Yeah. yeah now, what is your least favorite word then? It's probably the opposite. I can't, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I, and I, and that's also probably personal. I think sometimes myself is like, you know what? I, I, I don't think I can do that. You know, or I just, I don't see myself capable. That sort of inner saboteur, you know, comes out and, and I've seen how it's been a challenge to me and a challenge to others. And, and I think if, if we can all just, <clears throat> you know, find a way to work around that or believe in ourselves a little bit deeper, we'll discover things that we didn't know were down there. Yeah. So it's I don't it's not saying it's a, it's like a negative bad word but just like we can we can do this we can all do this together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Yeah, you know I'm always I'm inspired by others. So I yeah. would say other people's creativity. Oh, really? uh, I love to read. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get more and more into poetry, but I'm always reading fiction and nonfiction, reading about what people have done in the past, their thoughts about their future. Um, I love, you know, those great writers, you know, uh, that can distill life's truths or wisdom into a story and where you just turn that last page and you just sit back in your chair and you go, ah, man, what do I think of this? You know, mm-hmm. that those things inspire me, you know, other artists, absolutely. Whether it's music or visual art, you know, you see things and you're just like, God, where did that come from? Yeah. How magnificent. And I, then that's what I tried to soak in and take in and, and put into the music making that I do is these experiences, these creativity of other people. Mm-hmm. Then conversely, what turns you off creatively or spiritually or emotionally? kind of related maybe to the uh least favorite word is it's uh maybe when people don't have enough space in their hearts for people that are different from them i think the more we can be kind to one another the more we can accept people for where they're at and embrace them and their differences and celebrate their differences that's and that's where creativity sparks right you know if we were all the same or all shared the same beliefs i think we'd be a much less rich rich in our soul you know community uh so i i just always hope people can find that space for other people well i love asking this of a musician what sound do you love the most what sound (laughs) you know know, i I think i mentioned this in rehearsal last night just because it belonged to the music and this is probably an odd answer but i actually really like the sound of silence in, <laughs> i've heard that before <laughs> yeah and it, but it but in this context of silence in between sounds um you know we often think of music and you think sound sound and sound only right music is sound but i think to make sound meaningful it's those spaces in between the little breaths the little bits of silence that separate it and that to me that's it's like the that's where the wisdom falls in these great fiction writers you know is it's it's in that silence where you make that connection between the previous thought or sound and the one to come so i think i really love those moments on stage with musicians where there's just those the atmosphere just sort of hangs with what's what's next you know in in the silence very yeah. cool then what sound do you hate 
grinding metal <laughs> screeching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. When your brakes need, need attention. Oh, and yeah, yeah. You hear that car go down <laughs> the street. Oh, that's, job. that's one of the ones. <laughs> yeah. What other profession would you have liked to try? You know, I used to, I used to always say that I wanted to be a dancer and actually I'm a terrible dancer, but like, <laughs> you know, watching just like heck the, the most recent everyone, you know, probably saw the, 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 the Super Bowl and the halftime show. And I see this mass of dancers all in coordination, yeah. you know, and expressing, you know, again, these thoughts or these emotions through physicality, you know, I've always just found that so fascinating and i and i wish my body could move that way and express <laughs> that way you know which a conductor does a lot of those well, things yeah you do of course but yeah. um but otherwise i would think social work you know working with others helping other enabling others to be their best mm-hmm. uh, i I, th- I think that is really rewarding work oh very good well what job do you know you would not want to do oh, thank you very much but no. <laughs> job i don't want to do oh you know, one of the luxuries of being a conductor, and I don't take this for for granted, is um, there's a lot of, I get to have a lot of say in how I spend my time. There's work to be done. There's scores to be learned. Of course, there's rehearsals to be at and concerts right. to be Those at. Those are set. Those are set. You know when that's happening. The, exactly. But it's, it's the time in between that I, I get the luxury of, of how I allocate it. Mm-hmm. And so... I think the job I can't see myself is in is just if I have to go to an office eight to five, I think yeah, I right. really struggle because I've never had to do that before. And I think that would be, that would be very hard, hard for me. Yeah. 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 Well, finally, what do you want to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, what a question, huh? You know, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, cause I don't want it to be about, me maybe that's just i kind of have this nature of wanting to always help others so i guess it would just be you know thank you for loving on others and accepting yourself yeah and lifting others up i mean that's what i want to do with my life and with the music that i make and and i i hope i'm on the right track for that (laughs) (laughs) well you are on a great track right now (laughs) wesley schultz thank you so much wes for uh, spending some time with us it is a busy week i know a lot of folks to meet uh things things to do rehearsals to have and just a fabulous fabulous concert ahead so thank you again appreciate your time yeah yeah and thank you for being with us join us again next time for central texas life bye-bye central texas life with ann harder is part of the rogue media family be sure to check out our other shows at roguemedianetwork.com please rate this show five stars on itunes spotify youtube or anywhere you get your podcasts Join us again soon for more Central Texas Life with Ann Harder.